Welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We're excited for you to join us today. To find out more about us, visit highway.com.au. Half of our senior pastors, Byron and Graham, it is great to have you here at our 10.30 service. If you're new, massive welcome to you. Love to see you at the end of the service. But if you're returning, if you're family, also welcome back. I'm excited to be preaching this message this morning because I'm excited about where our church is at. Who's excited about where our church is at right now? Who's excited about the vision, this awakening, this occupying the future that we have come into? We have come into a place that is prophetic from God, that God is calling us into a place of an awakening and of an awakening of heart, an awakening of our life, an awakening into full, uh, into life and life to the, to the fullest. Who knows that as believers, we have the ability to walk in the freedoms and the grace that only Jesus can provide. You see, you have an ability to live in the light that only Jesus can bring you. And we have the ability this morning to meet together to redirect our focus back onto who He says we are and whose we, He says we are. We are sons and daughters of the living King. We are, we are above and not beneath. We are a royal priesthood. We are here on purpose and on mission. Ephesians 5, 8 to 14. And I'll, we, we'll be getting very used to this verse. And I love this passage. It says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. We have to be in the Lord to live in the light. Live as children of the light, for the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Verse 10, and find out what pleases the Lord. Verse 11, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Truth is, we have all at different times in our life had things to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness. Our job is to highlight them and present them to God and bring it into His light. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, this is my favourite part, wake up sleeper, rise from the dead and Christ will shine upon you. I believe Jesus is telling His church, it's time to wake up. It's time to get up. It's time to awaken the Spirit of God within us again. It's time to awaken the fresh talents, the fresh gifting, the fresh anointing, the fresh presence that only He can bring into our life. You see, God was not mucking around when He said that we were to be His people and that we were to be here on a mission and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You see, only Jesus' message is an empowering message for humanity. Who believes that? that we carry a message that's different to any other message that's being preached anywhere in the gospel. Truth of the matter is that every moment of every day, we have messages coming in, all different formats, social media, marketing. Every single second of the day, we have messages being sent our way. Our job as the church is to tune our ear to the message that God brings us as His people. You see, I'm convinced that this passage isn't just for us to preach on Sunday. It's for us to prophesy into Monday. This passage, Wake Up, O Sleeper, is not a passage that we just talk about. It's a passage that we live through. You see, we live through the Word of God. When we live through the Word of God, the power of God flows through us and into our worlds. And we need to wake ourselves up in the light of His presence. What does worship do? Worship awakens us to the light of Christ. Praise, it says, sets the the platform where God is seated on the throne when we praise God, 
When we jump, when we clap our hands, it is a sign that we are bringing the light of Christ into our hearts, into our life. Why? Because we have not just our, li- our lives to be considered, but the lives of those around us. You know when you have someone, they walk away with something different after an experience? If you have an encounter, an encounter a true encounter will change your life forever. Not even just, let's just take, let's just say a true encounter with something like a near-death experience will change your life forever. True encounters change people. An encounter with God will change our life forever. It will change our perspective forever because we're walking out with something different, with a new perspective, with a new vision that we never had to begin with. Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead. Jesus is telling his church it's time to move again. Youth camp's coming up, and as I was thinking about youth camp during the week, I was thinking about my sleep deprivation that's about to happen. Youth camps, there's not much sleeping going on. There's two types of kids at every single youth camp. There's the kid who likes to go to bed early, around 8.30. So just getting them through the session, through all the tribal wars throughout the day, without them falling asleep, is tough. You need to keep them motivated. You need to keep them active. You need to keep the games up to them. And um, there's the other type of kid who likes to stay up. And these, you may have a kid like this. They do not want to go to bed at any given time, especially on youth camp. They don't want to go to bed at 11. They don't want to go to bed at 12. They don't want to go to bed at 1 or 2 or 3. And, these, and you hear the zippers. Ungo- you say, go to bed. Everyone going to bed. Lights out. Then you hear the zippers and you hear the walking you know, walking in and walking out, and they just stay up. They're hard to get up the next morning, though. The kids who go to bed early are like up and at them. The problem is, is that the kids who go to bed early usually wake up when I'm just about to fall asleep with the team. We're just going to bed because the kids the night before have kept us up all night. And then you just hear this pitter-patter of feet. And you just hear them walking around the tents and walking around the campsite. And every single time you hear that, you're like, please... Just go to sleep. Just go to sleep. It's four o'clock or five o'clock or six o'clock. Just a few, just one hour of solid rest, please. But you hear these kids? You see, what they're doing is they're waking up the whole entire campsite when they start, they start, they find each other and they start to talk. And then they start to talk, they start to play games. When they start to play games, they start to scream and yell and, and, and it just gets louder and louder and louder. The truth of the matter is it only takes one person to wake up a camp. It only takes one person to awaken the people in our life to the reality of Jesus Christ. You are that person. I'm that person. For the people in our world, we've just been called to awaken the people in our camp, which is the people in our sphere of influence, the people in our workplaces, the people in our universities, the people in our schools. We have just been called to awaken them to the reality of Christ. You see, the reason, we're, the reason I love this awaken theme it's occupying the future. We have to, to occupy the future, we must first awaken. The reason I love it is because it would be a shame for us to get to the end of our lives only to realize we had overslept when we should have been awoke, awakened. To, to, to have overslept when we should have been working. To overslept when we should have been out doing the will of God. It's a terrible feeling when you oversleep, isn't it? When you wake up too late it would be a tragedy for us to get to the place where we've realized that we've wasted so many years that we could have given to him 
and could have allowed him to awaken us, to awaken others. Jesus is teaching. He's healing these people. He's going through this town, and the Bible describes what Jesus is doing. He's, he's praying for the sick, and they're being healed. But then it comes to this point where Jesus just throws this random one-liner out to the disciples, and he says this in Matthew 9, 37 to 38. You would have heard of it before. It's talking about the harvest. But then he said, it says this, Then he said to the disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his field. We've heard that verse before. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And I love that Jesus says this to his own disciples, because really he already knows who the workers are. He's just been showing them what they need to do. He's, he's just showing, he's been praying for the sick, healing them, proclaiming the good news of the gospel, going and making a difference. He was awakening the people, and he turns to his disciples and says, you know, there's a lot of work to do around here. There's a lot of harvest to come through. You know what, we should pray. Has God ever made you pray for something? And Pastor Caleb brings this up a lot, that you are actually the answer to. See, Jesus does this to the disciples. He says, you know what, we should pray. But automatically he's thinking, that's you. <laughs> and sometimes we go, God, can we do this? And God, somebody should do this. And God, somebody should do this. And it comes back down to realizing that we are the church, that we are the answer to the prayers that we've been praying, that we are the change, that we are the light, that we are the awakening that we've been praying for. You see, he's sending us out. When Jesus says, go, we just say, yes, I will go. When Jesus says, the harvest is ready, this is your time to move, this is your time to, this is your time to live as the people that have called you to be. And it's not just switching on and switching off, it's learning to live in the life that Christ has for us. It's not like we go, go one day without being this, this awoken person, and the next day we awake and we're, we're doing the will of God, and the next day we're off, and the next day we're on, like we have on-off days. It's, no, it's God, take me on the journey of life and show me. Show me how to live in your, in your presence. Show me how to live through what you want me to do. Show me how to live in the promise that you have for me. See, Jesus knew that his disciples were the workers. He knows that we're the, we're the workers. The reality is the church is not, not running short on people. The church has got more than enough people. In fact, if we were all activated in this place, this corridor would never be the same. That's the reality. Jesus is not lacking resource. He's just lacking commitment. What would it look like for us to freshly commit to being the worker that God called us to be? See, work isn't always doesn't sound great. Work doesn't sound fun, but it leads to results. It leads to exposure. It leads to, new, it leads to Jesus becoming real to the lives of those around us. I remember when I was asleep uh, a little while ago, I had slept on my arms, which is a talent in itself. But both my arms, had, I had just fallen asleep. I sleep on my stomach and I had slept like this. And my, both my shoulders are like caved in. And then I'm just, I wake up, I have like dribble coming down my chin. And what I've done is I'm laying there and I'm like trying to wipe it and I'm trying to roll over. But what had happened is my arms somehow had the blood flow cut off to them from my weight and I actually couldn't move my arms at all. So I'm there in bed and I'm trying to roll over. I'm trying to get my hand to my face and I'm trying to roll myself over with my arms. But my arms would not move they wouldn't react to what my head was telling them to do. And it was frustrating because I'm like, just work. 
work arms. And they've got pins and needles, and I'm literally trying to get up in bed, and it was frustrating, a little bit freaky at the same time, because I'm just ruffling around in my bed trying to get my arms to work. But the thing is, is that my head was telling my arms what to do, but because the blood flow had been stopped, there was no reaction. You see, Jesus is the head of the church, and he can try to tell us what to do as his church, but if we don't allow the blood of Jesus to wash over our life, we won't be able to act out in the ways that he has called us to act. You see, this is why we, we cannot afford to have dead arms or dead legs as his church. He's the head, we're the arms and the legs, we're the, we're the people, we're the workers, we are the people who he's going to use. We are the plan, the only plan for humanity when we choose Christ. There is no plan B, no plan C. It is you and it's you and me. It's all of us together uniting as one, saying, God, we are ready for you to use us. We are ready to live in your life and your light. The reality of Christ will become so real to those around us when we wake up, when we shake off the dead places of our life and say, God, I'm ready to be used. See, the head can be telling the limbs to move, but unless we are attentive to the voice of God, we will never, we will never be able to outwork what he has for us in the lives of others. We cannot, as a church, afford to become unresponsive to the call of God. We cannot, as the church in this corridor, let's just take this community, if we become unresponsive, our community suffers if we can become unresponsive to their needs and to their, where they're at, and I'm not even just talking from, I'm talking from just a being, being the light in this place, in this, in this corridor, in our schools, in our universities. If we do not take the responsibility seriously, our world will suffer as a result because we are the plan. We are the church. We must keep moving. Why? Because movement creates Momentum. And a church that's moving is a church that has momentum. And when we get momentum, we start to see miracles. You see, you can't have miracles without movement. There is always a movement that results into the miracle that we see as a result of the momentum that's happening. What movements are we creating? Not just physical, but what movements are we creating in our life that will have a flow and effect of momentum into our lives and into those around our life? Because there's a miracle attached to that momentum. I want to talk about the antidote to dead arms and dead legs. The antidote, the cure to dead arms and dead legs. The first point is start the stretch. Start the stretch. Matthew 12, 13 talks about a story. And it's about Jesus has been, he's in a synagogue. He's in the church. And there's this man who sits there with a withered hand. His hand is unable to be used. Scholars say that he would have held it back from society not to be looked down upon for his condition. So it would have been something that this man had hidden to everybody else around him. And Jesus sees this man, he does something peculiar. He actually makes a statement of this man. He, said, he literally calls him out into the public eye and he does something very peculiar and I want you to pick up on it. He says this to the man, in the front of everybody, Jesus literally does this in front of everybody. He literally sets the platform and he says, he could have just done it quietly, but he says, no, no, I want you in front of everybody. I want you in public view. I want everybody to see this happen. And then he says, then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. 
So he stretched it out and it was completely restored, just as sound as the other. You see, Jesus is making a statement that if we're willing to stretch out the dead, withered places of our lives, if we are willing to be vulnerable in those places, he will bring the restoration power. He will bring the restoration power that only he can bring. You see, the problem with us is that we get so caught up on holding the things back that God wants us to bring forward. Holding the things back that we've allowed to die, holding the things back that we're ashamed of, that we need to bring forward to Jesus so that only He can restore them to how they were before. That's why Jesus is saying, come over here, let me make a statement that as when people see you, they're gonna know the story that's attached to your withered hand. They're gonna know the story that's attached to your miracle. Because as you stretch out your hand, miracle is stretching forward into your life. And in our lives tonight, this morning, we have a choice. Do we choose to stretch out the dead, withered places of our life and be vulnerable to God? Or do we choose to hold it back and allow it to stay in the condition that it's in? Are we willing to allow God to do what only He can do? Are we willing to go public with this with God and say, God, I need you in this place. I need you in my heart. I need you in this situation. I need you in these actions. I need to get vulnerable with you. And I don't care how it feels. I don't care what I have to go through. I just know I need to stretch it out. Because the withered things, the dead things, if we don't stretch out towards Christ, they will always hold us back. We will always carry that limp. We will always carry that condition. We will always carry, carry that crutch. But when it's stretched out to God, His restoration power does what only He can do. See, it was done in full view of the public. What are the withered places of your heart? What are, what are the withered places of your mind? What are the withered places of our physicality? What are the withered places that we've, that we've brought here tonight, this morning that we need to hand back to God? Point number two, the antidote to dead arm and dead legs is to persevere through the pain. If I can have the band back, that'd be awesome. Persevere through the pain. You see, what happens when you first get up after having dead arms and dead legs? Anybody know? Throw it out at me. What happens when you, when you, you, it hurts. There's some pain attached to it, okay? I remember one time I was sitting there in an exam. It was a three-hour exam. And I'm writing this exam in uni and I'm doing it and I'm like feeling the pressure. But I actually hadn't realized that I'd sat on top of my leg the whole entire time. So I'm just writing away. And then I tried to put my leg down because I needed to stretch it out a bit only to realize that my leg is completely dead. And of course, when you get the blood flowing back through, you get the pins and needles. But this pins and needles was intense, like the worst I've ever had. It was painful, the process of the stretch. Me stretching out my leg was painful because the blood was flowing again, but there were some things that needed to happen and that caused some pain. You see, the fact of the matter is, is that when we choose to stretch out, there will be some pain of having to relearn some things or having to change some habits or having to change some offenses or having to let go of that anger or that hate, having to let go of that, that thing that's been holding us back. There will be some pain attached to the process, but it leads to the promise of God. You see, the pain and the process and the promise go hand in hand. 
See, James 1, 2 to 4 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work so that we may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. See, it comes back down to there is, there is a pain that we, that, we, that we will have for a short amount of time, but the promise lasts forever. There is a pain that lasts for a, for a moment, but there's a promise that lasts for eternity, church. There is a pain in our life that lasts for a moment, but when we start to stretch out, when we start to use what God has called us to use, then there is a promise attached that lasts forever. See, stretch it out. Persevere through the pain. Guess what? The burden is light. The yoke is easy, as the Word says. It's a burden that we can take. It's, it's a pain that, that we can take because we know, we know, that we know the solution. We know that at the end of the day, as we embrace the pain of change, as we embrace the pain of the process, God is going to move and He's going to move in power. Pain and power go hand in hand. You see, our faith is meant to be tested, church. A tested faith is a proven faith. A tested faith is an authentic faith. A tested faith is a faith that says, I have done this, I have walked through this, and I'm still standing. See, if I, to be honest, if our faith isn't being tested, then we probably stop living in faith. If our faith doesn't ever feel like it's being tested and grown, there's a, there's a, there's a bit of pain attached to that or there's a, bit of, there's a bit of, I guess, doubt attached to it, then we're probably not growing or living in our faith any longer. We forget that doubt is actually faith. We think of doubt as being the opposite of faith when really it's really close aligned. Because if I didn't have doubt, I wouldn't need faith. But stepping to God in my doubt, stepping to God going, God, I don't know where I'm at right now. I don't know why I've got this situation. I don't know why this place of me died. But in my doubt, I'm gonna come to you anyway. In my doubt, I'm gonna worship you anyway. In my doubt, I'm gonna praise you anyway. I don't need to be certain about the, the answer because I'm certain about my God. See, stretch it out, persevere through the pain because it leads to the promise. There are pains that we need to deal with on this journey, the pain of our limitation, the pain of our preconceived ideas, thoughts and theologies, the pain of our past, maybe the pain of our present, the pain of our, the pain of our understanding. But when we hand it to God, it results in power. And point number three, church, the antidote to cure dead arms and dead legs is to believe in the blood. And this is where it gets powerful. Because when we believe in the blood of Jesus, when we believe that communion message that Pastor Caleb just spoke about, that when we believe that His blood was spilt for us, His body was broken for us, it's an empowering message. It's a message that, that the world cannot take away. And yes, the world has tried to take it away time and time again. Kings and people, prime ministers, presidents have tried to take it away from society, but it keeps on coming back, this message of the blood of Jesus. See, when the blood of Christ flows through the arms and through the legs, which is us, we become responsive to His voice. And when we become responsive to His voice, we become attuned to His, to His actions and what He wants us to do. 
See, we've been called to believe in the blood. I believe in the blood of Jesus. I believe it sets people free from sins. I believe it's a healing blood. I believe it's a blood that brings restoration. I believe it's a blood that results in power. I believe that it's a blood that, that has an anointing and an authority over it. It's the only blood I believe in. It's the only blood that I know will change and transform our thinking. It's the only blood that we can claim. It's the only blood, it's the blood of Jesus. It's a blood that enables us to be attentive, it's a, blood, it's a blood that empowers us. It's a blood that says, go. Receive it. Receive the grace. You know, the blood of Jesus is grace. And when we, and when we, when we come to a place where we feel as if God has instilled this grace in us, this blood through us, then we start to act out in grace. And our world starts to change very, very quickly when we're acting in the grace that is being afforded to us. See, His grace must flow through our church. The blood heals, restores, it brings life. It's a blood that only Jesus could have shed. See, the truth of the matter is, we've all got those dead places that we're trying to bring into the light, that we're saying, God, I need you to work in this element. I need you to work here. I need you to work in this situation. But we have to remember that in our belief, Sometimes we try to carry the scars of our past because we think we've earned them, because we think this is what I've earned, so I need to carry the scar. I need to carry the scar of my life because I've did this and I've done that and this person did this to me, so I'm just gonna wear that for the rest of my life. But Jesus died and he bore, he, he bore the scars on his hands. He bore the scars on his feet so that we didn't have to. He was crucified so that we wouldn't have to. He, 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 he took the sins of the world so that we didn't have to. See, there's no more, there's no more acknowledging, or there's no more saying we've earned our scars, we've earned the dead places in our life. No, when we present it to God, He empowers us to change. He empowers us to live in His light, live in His freedom, live in His hope. And only Jesus can do that, church. The antidote to curing dead arms and dead legs. Start the stretch. Remember, Vulnerability leads to restoration. Persevere through the pain. There is a pain that's attached to the process, but the process leads to the promise. And number three, believe in the blood. It's the blood of Jesus that does the transformation. No man can earn it. No man can give it. Only God can bring it. <laughs> Isn't that cool? That it's the blood of Jesus that brings the restoration and it is enabling all of us in this moment to say, yes, God, I'm ready to be taken on a fresh journey with you. Can I pray for everyone? Have every head bowed, every eye closed. Father God, I just thank you, Lord, that your presence is here. I thank you, Lord, that your spirit is here. Holy Spirit, I've been speaking, but Father God, I just, I just wanna give you space just to speak into those dead places that we have. Father God, would you just speak right now? What are those dead places, Father God? Illuminate them to us. Show us, Lord. Bring light to them right now. Father God, those things that we've, just, that we've just been shown, right now we cast off the burdens. Right now, Father God, we choose to stretch again, 
Choose, we choose right now to start to stretch out right now in vulnerability, Father God, those things that you've just shown us. Right now, Father God, as we sit here together as your church, God, we choose to become vulnerable with you right now and say, God, we need you to move in this area. God, we need you to move again in this place. Father God, we expect that, Lord, you would move on our behalf when we come to your presence, when we come into your life, Father God, that, Lord, as we, as we give you this pain, as we give you this pressure, as we start to stretch that thing again, Father God. Start to stretch our faith again, Father God. Amongst the doubt, amongst the wondering, amongst the questions, Father God, that right now the blood of Jesus would become so real to us that the empowering blood that you shed upon that cross would start to work through our lives, Father God, would start to work through our hands, Father God. It would enable our legs to walk this journey of faith again. It would enable our arms to, to, to cover, Lord, the people in our life, Father God, with the same grace that raised us from the dead, Father God. Right now across this place, Holy Spirit, I pray that your will be done, that your hand would be at work, that your spirit would be working, and that, Father God, we take something out of this meeting today and we bring it into our world in Jesus' mighty name. We give you honour, we give you praise, we give you glory in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen.